0: Well, hey, it is good to be with you this weekend. Everybody here in Waukesha, I want to give a special welcome to those of you in our online campus, wherever it is that you may be joining us, uh, and say hello to our friends over at our Pewaukee campus. If we have not uh, had a chance to meet, my name is Garrett. I get to serve as the director of Next Gen Ministries. I would love to invite you to an event we have coming up next Sunday. Uh, It is called Kingdom Night, and this is a big worship night for any youth or college age. So if you're middle school, high school, or in college or in that kind of college age, we would love for you to come party with us next Sunday from 5 to 8. We're going to have a coffee truck, some donuts, a ton of fun, and the band's going to be rocking in here. So if that is you, come hang next Sunday. But this week we are continuing in our series of The Way of Jesus, looking at kind of these incredible moments, teachings or miracles or awesome interactions that Jesus has. Had It's, it's kind of like a highlight reel of the life of Jesus that's going to lead us up to Easter. And so I want to begin by, by asking, have you ever had the thought, there must be another way? There's got to be a better way way. Maybe it's something going on in your life or maybe it was more serious. Maybe it was just funny and you're just like, dude, is this the best way to do this? Really? I kind of have that thought in in this kind of season every year in in tax season. I'm like, this is the best way? Like, is this the best way to do this? I came across this meme I wanted to share with you. It says, uh, government, you owe us money. It's called taxes. Me, how much do I owe? Government, you have to figure that out. I just pay what I want. Oh, no. We know exactly how much you owe, but you have to guess that number, too. Well, what if I get it wrong? You go to prison. That's the Really? That's the best way we can do that thing? I don't know. I'm just kind of looking at that like there must be another way. And maybe for you, that question has risen when it comes to your walk with God, your relationship with Jesus, or even just your life, you thought, and is there a better way? Is there a better way to live life? Friends, there is. That's the good news. And his name is Jesus. And that's kind of what we're looking at is that through Jesus, we are offered a better way. We're offered a new way to live, a life that leads to more peace and more joy and more love, a full, as Jesus would say, a full and abundant life. So this week, I want to look at the idea that Jesus makes a way through inadequacy. Jesus makes a way through inadequacy. This is a, a feeling of not being good enough or not being capable. Now it could be like, like real, like you, there, there may be things that you, you genuinely are inadequate, right, like I am inadequate at, I, I don't know, juggling, right? Like I just can't, like that's the truth. But there's also things that we kinda just feel inadequate and that feeling of inadequacy, that can stem from anywhere. The Berkeley Well-Being Institute puts it this way. They say, inadequacy refers to an individual's perception of their own value in various situations. It is often related to self-image, and it can arise due to several factors, including early experiences, personality traits, comparisons with others, and mental health challenges. See, some of the things that we may feel inadequate about, we, we actually physically, mentally are capable of doing. It's just that crippling fear of being enough or of potentially failing or what the outcome is that actually keeps us from doing it, whether this is rooted in low self-esteem or fear, whatever. American Psychological Association defines it as an insecurity coming from actual or imagined physical or psychological deficiencies. The feeling of being less than or inferior to others can often cause us to shut down and withdraw or act aggressively depending on our coping style. So maybe, for you, the feeling of inadequacy comes from a past experience, something that's happened in your life. Maybe uh, the the feelings for you come from words that have been spoken over you. And the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Apparently that was a whole sham, and that was just a big lie. (laughs) And we're maybe realizing that now. Maybe, uh, for you, it's it's maybe a sense of uh, imposter syndrome. And you're just kind of waiting till everyone else in your office realizes that you have no business being in the position that you're in. Or maybe, if, if you're like me, uh, the feeling of inadequacy creeps in. And to protect your pride and your image, you just avoid anything that you might potentially be bad at to protect yourself from embarrassing yourself. See, we all wrestle with inadequacy. Here's the good news, that Jesus makes a way through inadequacy. And so what I want to suggest kind of invite us to this weekend is to have a spiritual confidence, a pride, not in the things around me or my own abilities, but in Jesus, a pride that comes from him. To have a confidence that is not rooted in the flaky infallible foundations that I have laid, but rather a confidence in the rock-solid, reliable ones that have been laid by Jesus that is found in a life with God. And to do that, I want to look at three stories, three stories revolving Peter and Jesus. Peter and Jesus have a whole life, a whole friendship together. It spans about three years, but I want to look at the kind of three moments that led up to this. It wasn't until recently that I I kind of realized I kind of just lumped these stories together into one, maybe two, but it's unique, these three separate encounters that Jesus has with Peter before they really begin their ministry together. Charles Spurgeon refers to these as the three calls of Peter. So I'm going to look at the three calls of Peter. Now, in your Bible, they might seem out of order in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's because those are, are, are not chronological books. Those are four separate accounts of the life of Jesus. And so while it may seem like we're hopping around back and forth, we are going to be going through this in chronological order. All right, you Ready? Okay, the first one, the first call of Peter happens in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, it says this, starting in verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? I love that. He said, What are you doing? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said, Come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Now, I want us to kind of understand a couple things here. First, the word Messiah is this word that like any any good Jewish student would have known like, hey, we're kind of looking and waiting for the Messiah. This is the promised king and savior who was to come. And so once these guys see Jesus, they kind of put things together and like, oh my gosh, this might be him. And so Andrew's first response is, I gotta go get my brother, Simon, and he brings Simon to Jesus, and what does Jesus do? He immediately, upon meeting him, gives him a new name. Now, I love a good nickname, all right? I love throwing nicknames out. You may, I may have a nickname for you. If you don't know my nickname for you, it might be a secret one. You may have a nickname for me. If it's cool, I'd love to hear it. Tell me in the lobby. If it's not, keep it to yourself. But I like a good nickname, all right? However, I have never, upon first introduction with someone, thrown out a nickname, let alone a brand new name entirely. To be been like, I don't really like that. How about Cephas? Like, how about we call you Peter? That's a way cooler name for you. And so it's a little weird when we read this story. But in these days, and even a little bit now, names have a lot of power. They hold a lot of weight. In this culture, a name could have been representative of who someone was or what they would do or what God was doing through them or what God had done in the past through their family. And so for Jesus to do this, it wasn't that odd, right? Jesus was was the word that's used, a rabbi, which means he's a respected teacher. And so for him to do this, I mean, this is a defining moment for Simon, who is now called Peter. But that's it. I want us to notice that in this story, Jesus has not yet invited Peter to follow him. He simply gives him a new name. And Peter is left inspired, maybe a little weirded out, unsure if he has to call social security and actually make the legal change from Simon to Peter, and he's left until they meet again, which takes place in Matthew, Four, we're gonna jump there. Matthew four, this finally is the first invitation to follow Jesus. This is what it says, starting in verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers again, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed Jesus him. Now, this is a unique moment, right? Because Jesus and Peter have already met. They've already had this interaction, but now he shows up at the beach to his job and says, hey, Rocky, come follow me, man. Right? Peter, meaning the rock. He gave him that new name, and now he's showing up like, hey, dude, come and walk with me. Now, again, in Jewish culture, this wouldn't be that abnormal, for a rabbi or a teacher to select people that he wanted to be his followers, or the word that we read a lot is the word disciples. I think a good word that we can use there is the word apprentice. That's kind of the invitation, is Jesus is looking for people who will apprentice under him. He's saying, come follow me, come work with me, come watch me and and, and follow in my way. What is weird, is the difference in who Jesus chooses versus maybe who some of the other rabbis would have chosen to be their disciples. He's not picking the cream of the crop Jewish students who sent in their resumes. He's on the beach picking the blue collar boys on the boat who didn't even apply for the job. And that's his invitation. And then we go to our next moment, which some scholars believe this next moment happens about three to four months after the story we just read. Here's the scene. Jesus is teaching and a large crowd is gathering, which happens all the time with Jesus. And it's so big that he decides, I should probably get in a boat and preach from the boat so there's a lot more space on the land. So we ask this guy at the shore if he could borrow his boat to preach in. That guy is Peter. Jesus gets in to Peter's boat and he begins... Teaching, which means that at some point over the last three months, Peter was not with Jesus. He went back to his day job. Peter went back to fishing, and this is what it says. Luke chapter 5, verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. and We haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Now, whether Peter is just kind of tired of running into this guy, or he's just crazy impressed by the amount of fish he just caught, that Jesus is a better fisherman than Peter literally, like, can do his job, Peter's in. It seems like this is the moment where he finally is like, okay, I'm all in. I want to do this thing. And I think these three moments leading up to this, I think these three calls are are what maybe John Mark Homer would call an invitation to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and then to do what Jesus did. Here's the invitation, to be an apprentice to Jesus. What does this have to do with inadequacy? I think, woven throughout the story of Peter, are oftentimes feelings of unworthiness. Feelings where he's questioning if he's good enough to be a part of this great thing that Jesus is actually doing, or if he should just go back to what he is more familiar to. See, the up-down, up and down roller coaster of his life, and maybe yours too, when it comes to following Jesus. I think is a byproduct of our fear and feelings of inadequacy. That inadequacy keeps us from stepping into all that God has for us. And what I do appreciate and admire and relate to is the honest transformation of Peter. Because I don't think That a life with God happens at the snap of the fingers, one big spiritual moment where all of a sudden you got the Christian t-shirt on and you're knocking on everyone's doors, bringing them to church every week. I don't think it happens that way. I think what we see with Peter and what we see in our own lives is what author Eugene Peterson might describe as a long obedience in the same direction where we're taking two steps forward and three steps back and we're slipping up and we're failing and we're kind of questioning and hesitating and then we're taking jumps and strides and leaps forward and it's this beautiful journey with Jesus. And it's in this journey that we must fight the feelings of inadequacy that will arise within us. Lest we be caught, frozen and fearful not taking our next step on this way of Jesus. So what I wanna kinda of share with us as we begin our time is three, three, these three moments, I think, offer us three ways that we can fight the feelings of inadequacy. And I think in, in embracing these three things, we can embrace, uh, we can gain a spiritual confidence and follow the way paved by Jesus through inadequacy. The first one is this, is to remember who you are. Notice the relationship with Jesus and Peter began with just a simple identity, a simple new name signifying a new life. And when it comes to us following Jesus, we need to understand who we are and in that understanding whose we are, who we belong to who our identity is actually found in. My daughter right now is super into Toy Story, which is the best Disney Pixar movie. You can debate me in the lobby, okay? It's just the goat, all right? Toy Story is the best. And so not long ago, we're visiting family and she's digging through this toy chest that my mom has and she finds an old Woody from Toy Story in the toy chest. And then I realized that was my toy when I was a kid. And so my daughter takes it and she's playing with it and we bring it home and she loves it. She's carrying it everywhere. And we noticed under the boot from the movie, it says Andy, right? Because Woody belongs to Andy. And then upon further investigation, we realized that my little self-conscious, jealous child, apparently, self, uh, when I was a kid, wrote on the other boot, Garrett. (laughs) Because I needed everyone to know that this in fact did not belong to Andy. I did not know an Andy. This was Garrett's toy, okay? That's mine. And so Woody belonged to me, right? Here's the idea, friends. We have got to understand and cling to who we belong to. We've got to remember in these feelings of inadequacy where our identity comes from. It matters, Who or what we allow ourselves to be identified by. It matters who or what we let speak into us and over us and claim us. We could live our life saying, I'm gonna decide who I am and I get to choose my identity in this or or the world is gonna speak into it. Or we could say, man, I'm gonna only and solely find myself in and through Jesus. And so we can either feed the lies of inadequacy or we could speak the truth of God over ourselves, of who we are. We don't need Jesus to show up at the beach and give us a brand new name, something cooler. What we need is to understand that he already sees us as a son or a daughter as his beloved. In the second moment between Peter and Jesus, the invitation that we're invited, I think, is to move from believing to following. To move from believing to following. Notice how when Jesus meets Peter at the boat, he does not invite him to believe. He doesn't say, Peter, come believe in me. He says, Peter, come follow me. And I'm gonna make you into something. I'm gonna transform you into something. I think very often, myself included, we can reduce our relationship with God to simply a thing that we just believe. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote this. He said, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good, even the demons believe that. It is not just enough to simply believe in Jesus. The invitation is to experience a lived faith, a life that is following and pursuing and actively going after Jesus, to apprentice under him, to say, God, I want to make this an active thing in my life. See, Peter has this really cool drop the net moment where he's in, But a few months later, somewhere along the line, he got bored and he just went back to fishing. And maybe for you, that's the same story. That you had this moment of belief or this experience with God, but maybe after a few months or a few years or 20, 25 years, it began to fade. And somewhere along the line, our relationship with with our relationship with God, our life with God walking his way, we got bored or we got tired. We started playing it safe and stopped taking risks as we stopped living in faith and instead of living in fear, we became apathetic and unmoved by the love of Jesus. See, what if the moment of belief actually turned in to a life of following Jesus? See, being a Christian is not just a system of beliefs, but rather a way of living. It's not coming to a place once a week called church. It is becoming the church every single day. It's not just about knowing about God, but doing stuff with him. Friends, it's not boring. It's beautiful. It's not about being comfortable. It's about being consumed by his radical way of living, his radical love, and joining him on an adventure. It's not about being able. It's about being available. It is not a thing that we know. It is a person that we follow. That's what it means to follow Jesus, to be a disciple. And inadequacy can keep us frozen in the in-between it's in this moment where inadequacy says that you're probably not good enough to be a follower you're probably not qualified enough to be a follower so play it safe stay comfortable don't do too much because just keep that thing simple Inadequacy can creep in and we can buy the lie that we do not have a part to play in God's great work in this world and plan of redemption and we sell ourselves short we get scared and if you're like me, sometimes you think it's better to just hold your life in your own hands. It, it, let, me, let me put it this way. I, I brought some, uh, some basketballs and things like that. So uh, football, right? I'm a little bit familiar maybe with football, right? Uh, volleyball, maybe a little bit, but basketball is one of those things. Basketball, I'm not like that well-versed in, okay? Basketball, I, don't, I never grew up playing basketball. I, I, I watch it, I, I like Space Jam, and I yell Kobe when I throw trash away. And that's kind of my, my experience uh, with, with basketball. But I want you to imagine for a moment that this basketball, right, represents your life. And your life in your hands, maybe anybody good at basketball, you could probably do a, a couple cool things, probably look good, maybe it, it'd be pretty sweet. However, in comparison to a professional, all of a sudden the potential that this ball has skyrocket. So imagine now this ball in my hands and, and what you could possibly do with it, but now I want you to imagine for a second in uh, the hands of a professional. Now, I don't, actually, I don't want you to imagine it. All right, we, it's, it's been a big weekend, okay? We had our blizzard bash, we had movie night, so we wanted to just go big. We got, had a friend through the church reach out. We were able to make something happen. So I don't want you to imagine the ball in the hands of a professional. I wanna show you the ball in the hands of a professional. You ready? So, can we please give a River Glen welcome to my new friend from the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo. No, what? Giannis isn't here? Are you uh, someone said, no way. Uh, yeah, no way. He's in Philadelphia. He has a game at noon, all right? Like, no, I'm so, I'm so That was so mean. Oh, dude. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) Here's the thing. Friends, your life in your hands, probably good potential, but when you give your hands to the professional, when you hand your life over to God and say, God, I want to put my life in your hands. I want you to be the dictator. I want you to be the leader. I want you to kind of lead me. And rule my life because it's way better in your hands. Friends, all of a sudden, the potential skyrockets. The things that God is able to do in and through you is incredible. And it can only happen when we humble ourselves on this path and say, God, I don't want to hold my life anymore. I want to hand it over to you. I want to see what you can do through me. I don't want to be a believer and a spectator and a consumer. I want to be in the game with you. So I'm passing you the ball. God, would you have your way in my life? Friends, in the professional's hands, the potential skyrockets. Imagine what God can do if we were to move from being a believer to a sold out follower for Jesus. In the final moment we read, we we were kind of invited to, I think, a third option, a third way to fight inadequacy, and that is to join Jesus on mission. When those feelings of, of not being good enough come up, I think one of the best things we could do is just jump in with Jesus. Say, God, I'm gonna join you. See, in Luke 5, Peter, It's a subtle change, but he goes from following Jesus to now fishing with Jesus. Now, you may not know how to bait a hook or cast a line, but I think that is the invitation. I think Jesus is inviting us to fish with him. I think he's saying, "Uh, follow me, and in doing so, you will also fish with me. What does that mean? He's saying, I want you to work with me. I want you to be a part of my mission. I want to kind of use you to share the good news, the hope of the world with others. And it's in these moments that we kind of have two choices that we can either let our inadequacy hinder us or we can let it help us. To hinder us is is, is to let it define us and and thus hold us back. Or we can let it help us. and we can embrace our brokenness and acknowledge our need for God's help. Author Bob Goff says, maybe we're all a little like human origami. The more creases we have, the better. You see, seeing our brokenness, we begin to see how good and how generous God is that he would include us, and we begin to see how much more we have in common with one another. Jesus, in this moment, immediately combats Peter's fear with, don't be afraid, I've got a plan, come fish with me. I want you to fish with me, Peter. I want you to join me on mission. I want to share a video with you of a friend of mine named Ashley. She leads our kids' ministry here. And I want you to just see how she slowly began to let God kind of call her into a new way of living and leading and serving and joining Jesus on mission. Check this out.
1: My name is Ashley Kisilika, and I am the RG Kids ministry lead. So I grew up in church, basically from the time I was... I don't know, eight or nine years old. Um, And I have served in some capacity in a church pretty much since then. Most of it was through a children's ministry. Um, So when we started coming here, I think it was less than a year after we started, I reached out to um, the ministry lead and just said, I'm ready to get involved in that capacity and start teaching. I mean, starting to serve um, when you're new at a church can be scary because you don't really know anybody yet. You do come in with a feeling of, I hope I'm good enough at this. I hope I know enough to make a difference. I hope um, somebody else doesn't know more than me and then look at me like, why is she up here? But those quickly diminish once you get going and you start realizing, you know what, God's using me here. You not only get to share the love of Christ and the whole meaning of where we fit into THE BIBLE, BUT YOU ALSO GET TO KIND OF JOURNEY WITH THEM AS THEY GO FROM LEARNING THAT THE BIBLE IS TRUE AND THAT JESUS IS REAL AND um, THE STORIES THAT WE'RE READING ARE TRUE AND ACTUALLY HAPPENED, AND THEY GO FROM JUST LEARNING THE TRUTH OF THAT TO REALIZING WHERE THEY FIT INTO THAT STORY AND WHERE THEY ARE CALLED. and and watching them kind of go on that faith journey is probably one of my most favorite things. I had started serving, like I said, I think in about 2017. Um, I was working as a dental hygienist. Then um, COVID happened. With everything shut down, um, you know, there was no serving. During that time, um, I was kind of feeling like a change needed to happen within my career life at some capacity. And surprisingly, Taylor reached out to me at one point in 2020 um, and offered me a position working at the church, and and that position had to do with children's ministry, something that my whole life I was always like, man, I'd really like to work within the church, but it just didn't seem feasible to me. So. For the next year and a half, two years, um, I went back into dental hygiene as that started back up again after COVID and just had an unrest within myself, an unrest within my career, an unrest within my heart. In 2021, I was offered a position again here um, in the children's ministry Um, and it just was blatantly obvious at that point. God was probably like, stop being so stubborn. I tried to tell you before but now here I'm going to lay it out flat for you. Do you want this or not? And so after some prayer and um, a lot of prayer, um, my husband and I decided that let's do this. God has called me into ministry and working with children could not be the more perfect spot for me and I decided to make that career change and make ministry my, my life. If someone is unsure about serving, I would say just go for it. Just step right in, show up, and just let God lead you. Yeah.
0: I love that. Step right in, show up, and let God lead you. I'm I'm so encouraged by Ashley and our whole RG Kids staff and volunteers and just what what God's doing in the lives of kids and and students even, and just the next generation. And and I, I want us to imagine for a moment, man, what is it that God wants to do through you? What is it maybe that God is calling you to? What would it look like for us to step out in faith and serve and just join Jesus on mission? Peter would later go on to live a a beautiful roller coaster, incredible life, and he wrote this. He said, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And so, what is that for you? What, what is that gift that God has, has wired you with? What has he kind of blessed you with to use for his name, for his glory? Maybe you have a gift with kids or, or with students. Maybe you're, you're hospitable and welcoming like, like some of the people in our, on our welcome team. And maybe you have the gift of leadership or, or the gift of wisdom. Maybe you have the gift of generosity or you could play drums or maybe you just love coffee or you just love God and you love people and you're like, I wanna do something with this. I want to invite you, if that is you, and you're wondering, hey, what what could that next step be for me? I want you to grab a welcome card on the seat back in front of you. And I want you to just throw down some information, and then I want you to write, I want to serve. Or I think I have to serve, right? Whatever you want to write, I want to serve. And if you know where, great, go ahead and put that. If you don't know where, that's okay. Just put, I want to serve, fill that out. You could drop that off and take that extra step, maybe even go to the next steps hub after service, and just say, hey, what, what would this look like? Where can I jump in? Is there a team I can serve on? I promise there is a place for you. And if you're joining us online, our hosts are going to provide a digital welcome card for you. We don't want you to miss this. And we'd also like to invite you go to our website. We've got uh, in one of our resources, it's a spiritual gifts test. It's a really fun kind of survey you could take. You learn a lot about yourself and how God's wired you and some of the gifts that He's given you. And it's in that you could kind of learn about yourself and then say, okay. What do I do with this? How can I serve the church? How can I serve God? How can I serve my community, my neighbors, and my friends through how God has gifted me? Take the next step in being used by God in places that you've never imagined. We're gonna close our time uh, with a time of worship. Um, But but before we do that, I wanna kinda just highlight something from the story with Peter real quick. In the last moment that Peter has with Jesus in Luke 5, Peter is kind of just blown away. (laughs) by Jesus and he falls to his knees and says, get away, depart from me, I am a sinful man. Oftentimes I've learned that the closer I get to Jesus, the closer I get to he who is holy and perfect, sometimes the more I just realize how imperfect I am. Because the truth is, is I am inadequate. That's the the bad news, sorry. We are inadequate when it comes to saving ourselves. We could not be our own Messiah. We could not be our own teacher, our own Robert. We could not also be the one who makes the way and follows the way. We needed a way maker. And what happens is these feelings arise and all of a sudden we're left standing there wondering, there's gotta be a better way. There must be another way. And there is, and his name is Jesus. And it is in him that we realize not only are we not enough, but actually we now are because he says so, take it up with him. He deemed you worthy. That's the good news of the gospel is that the love of Jesus, the great sacrifice of Jesus now calls the unworthy worthy. It calls the broken whole. It calls those dead in their sin fully alive in Christ. That's the good news of Jesus is that our inadequacies and our failures fall at the foot of the cross because it is at the foot of the cross where Jesus says you are enough and this is how much I love you. That's the good news. It's because of jesus you are adequate you are enough and you receive in him a new name and a new calling and a new life and he's saying would you build your life on me would you go my way would you follow the way not the lies of the world or the feelings of others or the fears within but rather see that jesus calls you enough here's the question What are you gonna do about it? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that our worth is not found in the things of this world. Our worth is not found in our own mistakes. God, it is found in and solely through you. And so I pray if there's someone in here watching online or in Pewaukee, God, that they would just know that they are loved, that they are seen by a creator who cares so deeply for them. And God, that you love us right where we're at, but you love us too much to just leave us there. And instead, you call us into a new way, a new way of living. A way where we are seen as enough and valuable and worthy. And so, would we join you? Would we join you and, and follow you and fish with you and go love others with you? Would you transform us from the inside out? Would we, from this moment on, surrender our lives, put them in the hands of one who is greater, and go the way of Jesus. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.